Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks for joining me today on America Can We Talk. Today I'll talk truth about America's standing with Israel, with the embassy and the Golan Heights, Gaza's rockets, America's interests and left-wing allegiance to the Palestinians, and Jared Kushner's peace plan and America's Middle East role, and why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. On this Deep Dive Monday, I really want to focus on Israel. And obviously, many, many of us have been watching over the past few days where Israel has again been attacked for, with rockets from the Gaza Strip. And I thought it would be helpful today in this Deep Dive Monday to talk with you about Israel and just some, some highlights of where we stand in the world, where America's support of Israel stands, and what it means to the world for us to stand with Israel. I'll start with it. I just learned recently that this is the, um, we're almost at the one year anniversary of the time that America decided to move its embassy from the, uh, from Tel Aviv, it, it, our embassy in Israel, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, the place that Israel had wanted our embassy to be for decades. And many people, presidents and other leaders had talked about moving the um, moving our embassy and actually uh, President Trump was the one who finally did it. I was actually surprised to realize that the anniversary is coming up next week. It's May 14th and that happens to be the day that the embassy the embassy move was chosen because it is a was then the 70th anniversary of the Israeli Declaration of Independence. So I want to start with a brief clip. These This is a clip of people who were in the um, Gaza area. These are Palestinians speaking up in December of 2017 in opposition to the then announced effort of President Trump to move the uh, American embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. Here, here's what this, in fact, the spokesman, you one guy, you'll hear him, and he's not speaking English, so you have to see the subtitles, but he's a member of the Islamic Jihad. Here's what they had to say then. He's Islamic Jihad guy. So this guy, he was just one person, a spokesman on behalf of Islamic Jihad, located in the Gaza Strip. In fact, the Islamic Jihad is one of the Islamic terror organizations currently embedded in Gaza, currently participating in this latest round of attacks on Israel. That one group backed by Iran, Islamic Jihad. So here we are in this uh, time, we're about to celebrate the first anniversary of the American move of the embassy. And just a few weeks ago, even this last week, I think it was, President Trump announced that we are going in addition to moving our embassy to where the Israelis want our embassy to be. We're also standing up for Israel's right to defend itself by reasserting control of the Golan Heights. I wanna first play President Trump's clip 
on this point and then I want to show you on a map and we're going to talk because we'll be talking about Israel a lot I want that map up for a lot of the show but right now let's hear what President Trump had to say with respect to the uh, Golan Heights and our effort in America to stand up and help permit Israel, enable Israel to defend itself. Our prayers are with our friends in Israel as they carry out an incredible way of life in the face of great terror. The United States recognizes Israel's absolute right to defend itself. The despicable attack this morning demonstrates the significant security challenges that Israel faces every single day. And today, I am taking historic action to promote Israel's ability to defend itself and really to have a very powerful, very strong national security, which they're entitled to have. In a moment, I will sign a presidential proclamation recognizing Israel's sovereign right over the Golan Heights. The State of Israel took control of the Golan Heights in 1967 to safeguard its security from external threats. Today, aggressive action by Iran and terrorist groups in southern Syria, including Hezbollah, continue to make the Golan Heights a potential launching ground for attacks against Israel, very violent attacks. Any possible future peace agreement must account for Israel's need to defend itself from Syria, Iran, and other regional threats. And that was, again, President Trump just, I don't have the date, but just in the last couple of weeks announcing that America is actually going to uh, support Israel on the, uh, and their assertion of sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Now I want to ask Matt, my wonderful producer, to put up a map of Israel, and I want to just talk briefly, and, and I don't know if we can get any closer in on that map, but I want to just, if you, I sent him a color one to put up, because I want to be sure that we all are on the same page understanding what the threat is in Israel, because we hear these names in the media all the time, you know, the Golan Heights and the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. The yellow you see, the bright yellow that has a purple blob in the middle, the bright yellow is Israel. To the left, uh, on the west, is the Mediterranean Sea. That big purple area within Israel is what is commonly called the West Bank, or which is because it's the West Bank of the Jordan River, which is on the east side of Israel. But that is the West Bank, the purple spot. And then uh, the bottom left of your screen, that kind of pinkish area is the Gaza Strip. So it's a relatively small section, Gaza Strip. And the last thing I'll point out right now is up near the top, you see the yellow of Israel, and then up near the top right of Israel is the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights is a strategically extremely important area because it is high. It has height. And so people who wish to invade all these surrounding enemies of Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Iran, Iraq, all these folks, with the Golan Heights is a just a strategic area. And so the Israelis have reclaimed the Golan Heights and President Trump announced in, this, in remarks you just heard that we are going to support Israel's right to control the Golan Heights, which really means support Israel's right to be able to defend itself. 
I'll tell you one last quick fun thing that over uh, in this first five today, but in, in the last few days, I had the opportunity to do a little interview and video at the Beck Studios. Glenn Beck Studios happen to be located here in Dallas, and they are doing a one-year anniversary celebration of the moving of the American Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and they asked various people, I don't know who else, I mean, it was an individual thing, I don't know who else will be on, but anyway, they asked, I had the opportunity to come and talk about Israel, and it was great because it caused me, again, to focus on why Israel is such an important strategic ally to America, why it matters to America to have Israel be strong, and it really, because I just did that uh, recording for them a couple of days ago, uh, got me thinking it'd be a great thing to do on this Deep Dive Monday, to deep dive talk about the importance of Israel to America and truly for the future stability of the Middle East. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. I want to turn now and talk about on our this uh, deep dive day in Israel a little more about Israel and again um, a lot more about Israel and the attacks that have been uh, going on there in just the last few days. Again, I want to um, put that map up if you can. That map of Israel. Um, I love maps. I have to say, I've done other people's radio shows, and if I know we're going to be talking about the Middle East, I have all these maps spread out because I love being able to actually look at them. But I want to point out the entire country of Israel. Again, that's the yellow. Is about the size of the state of New Jersey, slightly larger than New Jersey, one of the smallest geographically states in our country. And Israel is surrounded by, on all sides, they got the Mediterranean Sea, but then you have uh, countries that are Islamic majority and that are aggressors, are enemies of Israel, and try very hard in a variety of ways. Now, Egypt is, is different. Egypt is playing a really important role in the Middle East now, but many of the countries surrounding Israel are simply intolerant of the idea that Israel even exists truly intolerant of the idea that Israel exists as a country. Though that thought on the part of those countries surrounding Israel is rooted in the teachings of Islam. Within the Quran, the founding text, of the Muhammad's writings, the founding text of Islam, as well as in the writings of many of the revered scholars of Islam, as well as in mosques and Islamic schools around the world today, Devout Muslims are taught a variety of truly evil things about Jews and then in modern times about the existence of the state of Israel. The Quran is full of, of uh, instructions to devout Muslims that Jews are to be considered uh, second-class second citizens, they're not really people, they are analogized to dogs. So woven into the religion of Islam is a disdain for Jewish people. And this obviously was written before the country of Israel existed, but the disdain for Jewish people, now I'm not, I'm not saying that every Muslim on the planet or every Muslim in America is anti-Semitic. I am saying there's a problem in Islam in large part because the founding documents, and again, many of the world's revered scholars historically and today, revered Islamic scholars, teachers, imams, Islamic centers, Islamic schools, continue to teach uh, these things about the Jewish people. So the, na the nation of Israel, surrounded by people who are followers of Islam and are very um, intolerant of the right of Israel to even exist. Another thing to mention about Israel before I dive into what's been happening the last few days is this. In the sur surrounding countries, the Muslim-majority countries, in most of them, 
There is no right for other religions to even exist. In many Islamic majority countries, there are no Christian churches, there are no Jewish synagogues, there is no permission for other religions to be followed. Israel, by contrast, functions just like America. Israel has, and I have been to Israel, I think you know, if you listen to my show very often, you know I've been to Israel, I I love Israel, Um, but they have... uh, openly inclusion an openly inclusive culture they have uh, Islamic mosques they have obviously many Jewish synagogues they have Christian churches they have other minority religions that are prevalent in that part of the world Israel functions like a Western civilized country like America they tolerate religious freedom not only tolerate they permit it they attempt to protect religious freedom So, in Israel, they have factions who are voting. They have people in Israel who are citizens of Israel voting into the Knesset, which is their Congress, voting in people who are followers of Islam. And just to even think of the idea of Islamic majority countries, to the extent they have elections, permitting a Jewish person to represent the Jewish population in that country is laughable. It's absurd. It's risible. It's crazy. It does not happen in most Islamic majority countries. There is no representation in government on behalf of any group other than Muslims. So Israel standing just on the issue of religious freedom is an is an example to the world is a, is a western civilization country standing up for saying we're going to we're going to show the tolerance of the judeo christian values on which they were founded the judeo the values and then christian values here in america the judeo christian values which truly permit religious freedom so in the last Whoever it's been, 48 hours, Gaza, from the, uh, the Gaza militants, people that Gaza Strip, and again, that was that tiny little red spot on the west side of Israel that is the uh, home of the, of the um, that tiny little bottom left of your corner. I guess it's kind of pink on the map. Anyway, that is the Gaza Strip. To be really clear, the people who live in Gaza, the citizens of Gaza, they're not the ones firing rockets. It is at this particular point in this attack to Islamic extremist organizations or just Islamic organizations one being the one Islamic Jihad and that is an Iranian funded terrorist jihadist Islamic supremacist group and the other being Hamas also an Iranian funded Islamic extremist intolerant group So it is these terrorist groups inside Gaza lobbing bombs into Israel. So we had over the last, so we're at a a ceasefire right now. They they have these go on and they, Egypt actually got involved in attempting to negotiate this ceasefire. But first you have to understand how how this went down. 250 rockets. We ended up in Israel having, I think, no, actually it ended up being 600 rockets by the time they're all done. 600 rockets, 25 people killed on the Gaza side, militants and civilians, and four Israelis killed, four civilians. But to understand again the difference in the moral place of these two sides, the terrorists inside Gaza hide their weapons and their troops within the civilian populations. The terrorists hide their weapons and their soldiers inside schools where children are inside private homes where the Palestinian people live, inside hospitals. 
where in order for the Israelis to fight back, to try to get after the troops that are, that are sending rockets over or to destroy their munitions, the Israelis will be destroying houses, churches, and hospitals. And understand, these terrorist groups do that on purpose. They are willing to to risk the lives, to end the lives of the Palestinians they claim to care so much about by hiding their persons and their weapons inside civilian targets like, like hospitals and schools and private homes. By contrast, every time Israel fights back, they, or frequently, they will drop flyers from the sky down into these towns and areas and say, in Gaza, y'all better look out. We ha- I don't think they say y'all. They say, we're going to be dropping bombs. We're going to be fighting back. You know, civilian population, please get out of there. And there have been stories in past episodes where the civilians will say, if we, if we get these notices and we know we need to leave, we can't leave because the Islamic jihadists or whoever the, the version of the... Islamic terrorists in Gaza at that point, they threaten to kill us if we, if we leave. So I ask you to think about who is really looking out for the interests of the Palestinian people. The terrorists who occupy, the terrorists who know they're going to bring on the bombing by Israel, or Israel who goes out of their way to try to stop the, to try to prevent injury to civilians. So they are right now at a temporary ceasefire. Hamas agreed and Islamic Jihad have both announced, yeah, yeah, we have a ceasefire right now. But I want to just a couple, one more thing about that before I turn to uh, where that hits us politically in America. You know, this latest round of bombing of rockets from Gaza, it was not the doing of the Palestinian people. They are really the manipulated, they, they are used and manipulated by the terrorists to, to instigate a defense by Israel, meaning the terrorists show up in Gaza, they occupy areas where citizens are, they attack Israel, Israel fights back, and then the, the uh, terrorists run to the media and say, look, look, Israel's killing innocent people. And it is Israel who's trying to not do that, and the God and the terrorists, again this time Hamas and Islamic Jihad, both backed by Iran, who are causing that to occur. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not sure exactly why this latest round of, of fire or shooting happened, of rockets into Israel happened, but it wasn't random. There's always a reason. There's always a manipulation. There's always some, um, you know, some uh, tactic in mind. Um, or some agenda that we'll, I guess we'll find out shortly. One other thing that happened during these attacks, before I turn to how it impacts American politics, it turned out during these most recent attacks that Hamas, during the course of raining down rockets on Israel, also attempted a cyber attack. During the rocket barrage, Hamas tried to do a cyber attack on Israel. Israel's response, and you gotta love Israel, they're not gonna take this sitting down. Israel blew up their cyber command center, the whole center. They just took out the cyber command center that Hamas had built up in the in Gaza, where the poor Palestinians are suffering under the truly it is really the terrorist groups occupying uh, Gaza and um, and bringing great harm to the um, to the people. Okay, but I want to turn to all the, where this plays into American politics because this show, America Can We Talk, is always about America. It's always about preserving America. 
and America has had for decades uh, the uh, nation of Israel as a as a serious ally, as a meaningful ally. We actually try very very hard to defend and protect. But in the United States Congress, we have some members. In fact, we have about half the Congress. But I'm gonna get specific about two people in Congress: Rashid Tlaib. She is a Muslim member of Congress, newly elected from Michigan, and she's a, a Democrat, a Democrat Muslim congresswoman from Michigan, Rashid Tlaib, and the other one is from Minnesota, a Democrat member of Congress from the state of Minnesota, Ilhan Omar. Both of them issued hysterically denouncing statements about Israel actually defending itself. And this is what their argument is, essentially. Until Israel does everything the terrorists want, they're in the wrong. Israel is always wrong in the, in the worldview of Taleb and Ilhan Omar. The two of them were hysterical because, as one example, the New York Times ran a headline. I have it right here, I hope. The New York Times ran a headline which said, Gaza militants fire 250 rockets and Israel responds with airstrikes. That headline was encompassed in a tweet that Rashid Tlaib put out just saying, how dare New York Times blame uh, the Palestinians just because they're sending rockets? Well, again, the Palestinians aren't sending rockets. The Palestinian people aren't sending rockets into Israel. The Islamic terrorists living among the relatively helpless Palestinian people are. Now, to be clear, the Palestinian people are mostly Muslim or all Muslim. They're Muslim. They are Arabs. They're not all part of Hamas, Islamic Jihad, or any other horrific terror group. That's not who they are. They are just pawns used by the Islamic terrorists in this world. Back to Taleb and to Ilhan Omar. If those women actually cared an iota about the Palestinian people, they would be on Israel's side. They would be saying these lunatic Islamic terror groups, Islamic Jihad and Hamas and whoever else gets involved over there from time to time, they're the ones causing death and harm to the Palestinian people because they hide their weapons and their troops inside civilian targets. If Tlaib or Omar actually cared about the people of Palestine, the Palestinian people, which by the way, there's no such thing, we'll hit that point in a moment, there is no such thing as a Palestinian people. That is a false construct created by Islamists in this world. But I digress. If Omar and Tlaib cared enough, truly cared about the people, the innocent people, they would be criticizing the terrorists who use them for cover. Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, they are on the side of the Islamic terrorists. They are speaking up because they support Hamas. They support Islamic Jihad. They support the terrorist conduct of the radical Islamic groups who kill innocent people at all times. That's who they really support. And in Washington, you have virtually no Democrats speaking up. Okay, a small handful. Almost no Democrats speaking up on behalf of Israel. 
speaking up and agreeing that we have in our country, we have to be defending our ally Israel, our one ally that supports Western civilization, that functions like a modern civilized country, that permits people to live in liberty, that respects religious freedom, that has a rule of law, that has a representative government. All of those things Israel has, all those things are American. None of Israel's surrounding Islamic nations have anything like that. Egypt's getting better. Saudi Arabia's trying to get better. But the idea that we in America would, should be supporting Israel as a longtime ally and as a nation that understands the importance of, of the roots of Western civilization all Americans should be supporting that. The reason on the American left, you don't have that speaking out on behalf of Israel is because you do not have people on the American left willing to say the hard things, willing to say the things that must be said to bring this unbelievable ongoing, literally not even just decades and centuries, but millennia, thousands of year conflict obviously not between the country of Israel and the um, surrounding countries, but the, the millennia-long con conflict of anti-Semitism that just reigns inside Islam and frankly reigns within a lot of the Arab world. And frankly, is on the rise in, in Western civilization, even in Europe and other countries. This intolerance for uh, Jewish people, the idea that the Jewish people should be just the, the subject of relentless attacks and ridicule and violence and and, and uh, scorn. That anti-Semitism is rising in the world. It's rising in America. It's rising in Western Europe. It is part and parcel. It is woven into the fabric of Islam. And we have too few people in Washington willing to call it out, too few people willing to point it out. It's easier to take the politically correct side and claim that somehow the Palestinian people are the real victims here. They are victims. They are victims of the Islamic terrorists. But we are in a place right now where we have the American left will not stand up for Israel. The American left will not stand strong against terrorism. And you have two Muslim members of the U.S. Congress very openly, very stridently, attacking the idea that Israel even has the right to defend itself. What those two Democrat Muslim Congresswomen are saying, Rashid Tlaib and Ilhan Omar are saying, is they support the terrorists. That's what they are telling you. And I want to hit one other point on this topic. There's so many ways to go on this, but I want to hit one other, and it's kind of a deep point, and I, I you know, I debated talking about, but I think it's worth really starting to think about. And that is, Ilhan Omar had a statement out essentially saying, you know, um, Islamophobia is the other side of the coin of anti-Semitism. She tried to say, they're, first of all, she tried to say they're, the, you know, they're two sides of the same coin, they're both bad, and she tried to say that President Trump is really responsible, and it's his fault. She blamed Trump directly for the increase in anti-Semitism and the, what she claims is the increase in Islamophobia. And I, I want to correct that, and I want to I urge you to really think deeply about what the differences are between those two things. Anti-Semitism, the idea of simply hating another person because they happen to be Jewish, 
by faith or ethnicity, they happen to be Jewish. Anti-Semitism is as old as time. It's as old as the founding of Islam. It has existed around this planet, unfortunately, for thousands of years. Anti-Semitism is simply a hate of somebody else because of their faith or their, their, their Jewishness, whether it's their faith or even their ethnicity. It is simply hating somebody else because of who they are. And it is evil and it is wrong. The term Islamophobia concocted by the left is a whole different issue. The Islamic world in this, in this modern time, many, I mean millions and millions of individuals who follow the faith of Islam are engaged in a variety of ways in a war against Western civilization. Against the idea, for example, in Western Europe, you have the massive number of migrants, move, of Islamic migrants moving into Western Europe. You now have them. Uh, you have uh, no-go zones, areas where they have taken over and declared Sharia to be the law of where they are, and not agreeing to the Western civilization concept of the rule of law that everyone follows and we all agree to because we have representative government that passes those laws. They're not with that. And the Islamic um, aggression within Western Europe, we've talked about many, many times, it takes the form of no-go zones, it takes the form of belligerence uh, toward police and media and others so that conduct that is permissible in Islamic societies, not permissible in Western Europe, is covered up or hidden or not reported or not prosecuted. We have the, many times we talked about in this show the statistics that show the great increase in the number of sexual assaults on young girls and women committed by the refugees, the rape and sexual assault numbers going up in Western European countries as a result of the conduct of Islamic immigrants. This is not to say that every Muslim in the world engages in that conduct. It is to say that conduct permissible in many Islamic majority countries is not permissible in Western civilization. We have people trying to raise the alarm bell about the great threat of the Islamic conquest ideology, the conquest woven into the ideology woven into Islam that says Islam must exist as a conquest faith. It must exist as a conquest military movement. It must, it must progress and be a conquest political movement. Former Muslims talk about this all the time. They try to raise the alarm bell in the, Ameri in, in the West. We've had in this show uh, in just the last few weeks, we had Katie Hopkins from England, Elizabeth Sabinish-Wolf from Vienna, Vienna, Austria, talking about the idea that Islamization of Europe is the crushing and destruction of Europeans' Western culture of freedom and respect for the individual and the right to live in freedom and religious freedom. They have tried to raise the alarm bell around the world. Many other people are trying to do this. Because that was not uh, received well by individuals in the Islamic world and the American left, the expression Islamophobia developed. And a phobia is an irrational fear. Like people may have an irrational fear of, you know, insects or all sorts of other things that are true phobias that you're kind of, you know, you're claustrophobic. You really, really get upset and, and when you're in a, 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 very, a closet or a, a very close situation where you don't have, feel like you have enough room to move. That's what a phobia is. It's irrational fear. 
So when people raise the alarm bell about what's happening in Western Europe and frankly also happening in America, it is attacked by the media, by the left, and by people like Ilhan Omar as Islamophobia. If you want to defend Western civilization, you want to defend freedom of religion, you want to defend the rule of law, the culture of the, what, created by Western civilization, you have to be able to criticize, contrast, and criticize the culture created by the teachings of Islam. In Islam, not in every Islamic country in the world, not committed by every person who follows the Islamic faith, but in the Islamic world still today. In, for example, in Saudi Arabia, they still have beheadings by the government and the government putting people's heads who've been beheaded up on posts around big cities as a warning against other people who fail to in some way follow the law. In Islam, they have the rules of apostasy. If you dare to leave the Islamic faith, if you were born into it, you grew up in it, if you dare to leave it, you'll be put to death. In the Islamic faith, you have FGM, female genital mutilation, happening all over the world. 97% of the girls in Somalia it happens to. It happens to Muslims all over this world. In the Islamic world, you have people throwing gay men and women off the top of buildings to kill them because they are gay. The Islamic world was created by different writings, different context, different teachings, the Quran and other revered scholars in Islam, including Muhammad the founder, created the teachings of Islam. Those teachings developed Islamic culture. People in Western Europe and America who do not wish to live under that type of culture are trying to talk about it in a way that allows people to understand the difference between Judeo-Christian culture rooted in individual liberty and the right of the person to live his or her life in freedom versus Islamic culture. There is no parallel in Christian culture to the list of things I just gave you that happen in Islamic countries. It is not phobic. It is not phobic to oppose them. In Christian cultures, in America, in Western Europe, it is not phobic, it is not crazy, it is not an irrational fear for people to say, we want our Western civilization, Judeo-Christian culture, we reject the Islamic culture being pressed on us by Islamic refugees. That's not phobic. Ilhan Omar is wrong in trying to compare anti-Semitism to Islamophobia. Islamophobia, in the way the left means it, does not exist. Speaking truth about the difference between Western culture and culture created by Islam is vital in order for Western culture, Western civilization to continue to thrive, to continue to be to, be, to have robust freedom that we have right now. Um, one more thing about the Middle East, and I'm going to turn to my last little thing for today, which has to do with how we're responding, but um, I did want to pass along, there was actually an interesting thing in... Um, uh, involved in all this uh, hassle within the um, within uh, within what's happening in Gaza and Israel and all that. The uh, United States announced that we are moving a U.S. carrier uh, bombers a U.S. carrier. So the big big ship where people land on the on the you know planes land on the deck, moving a carrier and bombers to the Middle East 
after indications that Iran had planned an attack on U.S. forces. Now, I don't know all the reasons that the Islamic Jihad and Hamas got all got worked up in Gaza and decided to start firing rockets again into Israel, but. John Bolton uh, and President Trump have announced that we, America, are moving our moving a carrier to the Middle East immediately because of ver- actual threats from Iran. So I don't know whether Iran was hoping that we, America, be distracted trying to help Israel, wouldn't realize what Iran was up to. But all of these characters, the Iranians who are backing the Hamas, that fund and back Hamas, Iranians who fund and back the Islamic Jihad, they're all part of the jihadist mindset. All part of the mindset that says we will destroy Western civilization. And apparently there was a a, a credible threat that Iran has something horrible in mind uh, for America um, in the um, in the last few days, which caused John Bolton to announce that yes, we are indeed moving a carrier over to that part of the world. And I, I have to say, I'm grateful every day that we have President Trump, a president who's willing to speak up about these horrific things that the that are coming our way, that are threats to our way of life, threats to our freedom um, in the Middle East. So, on that note. And for the final segment for today, I want to turn and talk about the effort to get a peace plan going in the Middle East. Jared Kushner, who happens to be the president's son-in-law, is also uh, involved in the administration. He has been over in Israel over the last year and a half working on a peace plan. And it's, he announced uh, over the weekend, I guess, that the, that he would be releasing this. He's been working with sides in the Middle East, trying to come up with something. And I'll tell you a couple of things about this. In the Middle East, every president since time began, every American president has tried something, tried to do something to bring about a peace between the Arabs and the Israelis. And you know you can substitute the name in which whatever group it's going to be, but trying to find peace between the uh, Arabs and Israelis at, over in the Middle East. And a primary problem you run into, we run into every time we try this, is a simple fact that, as we mentioned several times, Islam is intolerant of the right of Jews to live, to be respected, to have a place at all. There was a great comic someone came up with during the time that President Obama was president and John Kerry was his Secretary of State. It was I want to have uh, Matt put up if he could in the screen. It was a comic that basically is about the idea of how do you negotiate with someone who's saying, uh, you know, you all have to die. If you, can, if you can't see it clearly, that is John Kerry <laughs> being depicted. The guy on the left is a Hamas person, guy on the right, Netanyahu, and the uh, Hamas person has his piece of paper says demands at the top. It says list death to all Jews. And then John Kerry's saying, could you at least meet him halfway? Okay, that was a brilliant cartoon because this is what every negotiator on the behalf of Israel from America has faced is you have Israel always asked to make concessions and Hamas, Hezbollah, all of those groups over there, all of the Islamic terror groups still have at their core the Islamic disdain for Judaism, the Islamic disdain for the right of Israel to exist. So I don't know if Kushner is going to make any progress, but they're at least trying. And I know there are people um, on both sides of the aisle who have often said, throw our hands up. We just we can't do a thing about this. They, they've, you know, they've been enemies since uh, the Bible times, and we can't do anything about it. It's, it's a waste of time. I don't agree with that. I think that 
I, I don't want to, I don't want to say, oh, I'm sure this time, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll get to a deal, everything with peace on earth. But you can't ever give up. And I think when you have a president like President Trump, standing as he does with Israel, being really firm, talking in the Islamic world to Saudi Arabia, to the Saudi Arabians, as he did in that famous speech, whenever that was, you know, months ago, saying essentially to the, the Saudi Arabian government and to the Islamic world, you have to get your house in order. You have to stop all of this this jihad, this killing. We're not, you know, we're not going to surrender. The, the world is not going to surrender to Islam. You have to modernize your religion. You have to realize that Islam cannot dominate the world. Trump has been the bravest and most impactful president on this issue ever. I can make a contrast to how President Obama talked about it, but that's a waste of my time today. Today I'm saying I think to have Jared Kushner, who happens to be Jewish, uh, who's President Trump's son-in-law, married to Ivanka, over there in Israel working on a peace deal. And he's saying, you know, as everyone says, every time we have a proposed peace deal, well, both sides are going to have to make concessions. I'm sure both sides will have to make concessions. And I don't know if we can get this anything done. But I will say this. Once you realize that one half, one of the two parties negotiating, whether it is the Palestinian Authority, uh, any of the jihadist groups, any of the, whoever it is you're negotiating with in the Islamic world, has to understand that the American, the force of America, is going to stand with Israel, and we are not in making that in a half-baked, insincere way. We mean it, and we'll put our force behind it. I think maybe you'll find that some of those terrorists might just say, you know what, you know, we're going to have to come to something. We can't be in this battle forever. Now, I'm not saying Islam is ever going to drop its teaching that all Jews must die and must be killed. I don't think that, I think that the Islamic world can wake up to the reality that we can move forward and not have all this endless cycle of violence. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think America, that is a vital role for America in the Middle East, a vital role for America really in the world, being a leader, standing up for the idea that we do not tolerate the repressive agenda of the jihadists. We will fight back. We will not surrender. We will support Israel. Just maybe all of that together can at least start us on a path toward some deal that could work. I don't know, but I will never want, I never want to give up hope. I don't want to give up hope because I think there is a God. And I think there's a God who actually will, is, is present in our lives, present even in, in America's foreign policy, present in our country. And I think the notion of the bringing a, bringing a higher-minded respect for everyone, an idea that we say we have to, re, you know, you the jihadists, the Palestinian authority, the Palestinian people, you have to respect the right of Israel to exist. And Israel, you have to respect their right to live and exist. That, that is a, a Judeo-Christian concept, a God concept that is absent 
in Islam, but it is present in America, present in our president right now and in his administration, and the thinking we bring to these problems. So, you know, I'm not going to hold out hope and say, oh, for sure, forever, we've got it all done here. You know, we're, we're just going to, we won the day. But um, I do think there is a reason for hope, and I, I don't want to be, um, ever be just disdainful of the idea that we can't somehow possibly bring about a peace solution in the Middle East. And now, for the ending of every show is why it matters to you. And that's what I want to talk to you about right now. First, the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, the annexation of the Golan Heights, the Iranian sanctions, not, I mean, not letting them get away with that idiotic surrender to their building of nuclear weapons, pulling out of the Iranian deal, uh, rising anti-Semitism in the world, including in the U.S., the Gaza rocket attacks, these all underscore this reality. Israel is ground zero in the conflict between Western civilization and its opponents. Next slide. What is happening inside and to Israel right, right now? Israel is the place and it's the importance to humanity of the Bible, the concept of individual rights, responsibilities, freedoms, including freedom of conscience, treatment of your neighbors, including non-believers and believers in other faiths of, or traditions, all of these are deeply involved, woven into, wound up into the battle between Western civilization, which is Israel and America, versus the jihadist mindset. All of this is profoundly at stake in how we handle and support Israel. Last slide, if we can. And that is why this matters to you. The United States of America and the state of Israel are for all practical purposes aligned. We are 100% aligned in the way we respect and treat individuals in our societies. We are allies at the deepest level. And if we value and protect these civilizational values, and that's what they are, undergirding civilizational values, we can make progress, but we have to be supporting each other and recognizing the unique place of each other. And that is why what's happening in and to Israel matters to you. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Talk to you tomorrow and every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. And please tune in because every day in the show, I talk truth about America because America matters. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you?